A reading from the Epistle of St. Paul to the Galatians, beginning in the third chapter. Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then, the law was our guardian until Christ came, in order that we might be justified by faith. And now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian, for in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Will you pray with me? O God, who wonderfully created and yet more wonderfully restored the dignity of human nature, grant that we may share the divine life of him who humbled himself to share our humanity, your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. For you are our strength and you are our redeemer. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. You may be seated. <coughs> One of the things that I love about the way that our lectionary is set up is that we, every single week when we come together for worship, immerse ourselves in Scripture. We hear from the Old Testament, and then we pray the, the, the words of the Psalms together, and then we hear the words from the New Testament, and we stand and we receive the words that Jesus spoke to his disciples and speaks now to us. And we're just immersed in that, in that constant, consistent uh, flow of Scripture. We see the ways that the Scriptures support one another. We see the way that God is speaking to his people then and the way that he continues to speak to his people now. We learn how to listen and how to be attentive, how to, how to see what's happening. But one of the things that can happen with this way of reading Scripture, we call this a, a three-year lectionary cycle, is that we can get kind of lost in all of the readings. They sort of run together sometimes. It's sometimes it's difficult for us to sort of space them, uh, space them out a little bit, to hear the individual things that are being said to us. And of course, when I get up to give a sermon, you don't know which, uh, which particular reading it was that I'm about to speak on. So you're going to have to remember all four of them until I start talking. And then you can set aside three of them probably, and there will just be that one. So to make our jobs a little bit easier today, and because sometimes that middle part of our reading sort of, you know, washes over us as we're looking ahead toward what's going to happen next, 
Uh, we're going to be talking about Paul and his words to the Galatians. And so I know that not all of us have a Bible with us today. So there are printed copies of this at the ends of each of your pews. So if you don't have uh, a, a Bible with you that you normally use, please grab one of those cards. In fact, everybody go ahead and grab one of those cards. I want you to take this with you and use this as a, um, as a focus for you during, uh, during Epiphany. So Epiphany begins tomorrow and it continues through the Feast of Candlemas, which is on the 2nd of February. So during that time, I want you to take these words with you and to think about them. Use these during your daily prayers. I would encourage you all to commit this passage from, from Paul's letter to the Galatians to your memory. It's interesting that in none of uh, Paul's letters, does he explicitly talk about Jesus's birth? Now, there are lots of possible explanations for that. Some of them are mundane and some of them are very carefully nuanced and some are, you know, kind of cynical. But if we hear that, if we read that in Paul and we imagine that he's not concerned with the magnificence and the mystery of Jesus's incarnation in the person of Jesus Christ, then we have been reading his epistles with both our eyes and our hearts closed. We find that especially as we're reading from this, uh, this passage today in Galatians chapter 4. This passage has one of the most beautiful, one of the most striking, world-shattering descriptions of the incarnation that you will find outside of the first chapter of John's Gospel. So I want us to reflect on those words this morning. You can look at your card, you can look at the Bible that you brought with you, but I want us to reflect on those, to chew on those words together now, and then to continue doing that throughout the season of Epiphany Tide. Paul says, when the fullness of time had come, when the time had fully come, when the time was right, when the time was appointed, in the time that was chosen, when everything had been fulfilled, when it had been filled to overflowing, when it was completed, when it was accomplished, when God was ready, when we weren't watching, not when it was convenient, not when it was simplest, but when it was right, at the right time, when it was time. And not with an angelic chorus, not with armies of light, not with trumpets and drums, but quietly and simply and secretly while no one was watching he came to us to each of us to you and to me for you and for me he came to us paul says god sent his son if you don't have a copy of the jesus storybook bible Get one. And if you can't get one, you come to me and I will get one for you. I don't say that for families. I say that for everybody in the church. If you don't have a copy of this, we're going to get you a copy of this. It's that important. It describes the birth of Jesus in this way. The moment God had been waiting for was here at last. 
God was coming to save his people just as he promised from the very beginning. The mountains would have bowed their heads. The seas would have roared. The trees would have clapped their hands. But the earth held its breath as silent as snow falling. He came in. God, the Son, became incarnate. He cloaked himself in our humanity. He united God's self to God's own creation. And as St. Chrysostom said in his, in his nativity homily that we shared together a couple of weeks ago, God isn't diminished by cloaking himself in his own creation. It's the creation that he made with his own hands. Creation instead is now magnified because God resides in it. And now we behold the glory of God. Paul says, born of a woman. See, it wasn't the glory that we expected. Other religions tell stories about people who glow and people who control fire and people who control serpents and they carry weapons that are made out of stars and they build thrones on top of the bones of their enemy. But God is born into a poor family. And in that poor family, he and his family are shunned and left alone. His lone attendants are unclean and illiterate shepherds. And almost as soon as he is born, he is thrown into exile as a refugee. He is low and he is homeless. This God doesn't come into the halls of kings. He comes into the hearths of homes like yours and like mine. God loves us so deeply, so fully, so completely that he sets aside everything in order to free us from sin and death. In order to rescue his lost brothers and sisters, he will endure every hardship, every poverty, every shame, every violence that our sin can inflict. His love will not let us go. And so God now comes to us to save us and set us free. His Godhead is now hidden behind this veil of humanity. Because he hasn't come to upend the kings of this earth. Not yet. His advent in Bethlehem has come to place a new king inside our hearts. Paul says he was born under the law in order to redeem those who were under the law. This is a king who is going to reign in our hearts. He says, take heart. For I have overcome the world. This is a priest who is going to offer himself on the altar. He says to us, For their sake I consecrate myself, that they may be sanctified in truth. This is the prophet who reveals God to us. He says, If you have seen me, then you have seen the Father. This is God with us, not the God of our imagination. 
It's not a vengeful tyrant who's only, only sated by, by innocent blood. It's not a kindly old grandfather who's waiting to fulfill our wildest dreams. It's not a grumpy moral policeman. It's not Buddy Christ. This is the holy God whose sacrificial death makes us holy. This is the good God whose resurrection will unmake the death that our sin has inherited. This is the just God who will become the means for us to be restored to a lost Eden. This is love. God with us. Paul says, so that we might inherit adoption as children. This was always the truest and deepest longing of the Father's heart. And now, because of the mediation of Christ, because of the power of the Spirit, this is hope that has come true. Christ has come to recover what was lost. The lost lamb, the gold coin, the buried treasure. It was always you and me. It was always us. We tumbled ourselves out of the hand of God. We fled from the sight of the Father, but Christ ran out. Christ scoured high and low and found us so that he could bring us home again. Home. That place that we've been longing for, fighting for, stealing for, lying for, hurting for, and hoping for. Home is now ours. Not because we earned it, not because we deserve it, but because Christ rescued us and brought us home. Paul says, and because you are children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. He united himself to us so that we could become one with him. He wrapped himself in our humanity so that we might be wrapped up in his divinity. He became one of us so that we could be made like him. He has become our home. And where he is, we are home. Who would have ever guessed that our home would be a person? Who would have dreamed that the way home would be through the death that had been our exile, but with somebody who had gone ahead before us? Someone who would now take us by the hand and lift us up from death into new and unending life. Jesus entered into the deeps of death, a plunge that he didn't have to make, a descent he embraced because he loved us. And because there is nothing that Christ won't endure in order to bring us home to the Father. Paul says, you are no longer a slave. You are a child. Sin made us slaves. And so we served death out of fear. But God's Spirit adopts us. It makes us the Father's children we serve him in one another out of love for freedom we have been set free so cast off 
the works of darkness and instead live as children of the King of Heaven who has overcome every obstacle standing against His love for us. You are one body and one spirit. You possess one single calling. You have one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one Father who is all and is in all. And we belong to him. Paul says, and if a child, then also an heir through God. At Babel, God said they are one people with one language, and this is only the beginning of what they do. Nothing will be impossible for them. His work done at Pentecost, Christ now sits down at the right hand of the Father, and he says, I have done the impossible. You are now my people. Receive the Holy Spirit. Go and make disciples. Go and love one another as I have loved you. Go and find your lost brothers and sisters. Go and bring them home. Go and I will be with you always. Amen. Let's stand together.